When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. This is the Book Riot Podcast. It's a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. Today is Thursday, June 8th, 2023. I'm Jeff O'Neill, here with Rebecca Shinsky of BookRides.com. You know, you could switch the prepositional phrase. You don't have to be from, you could be of. Of. What do you think that yeah. of? Yeah. I like it. Like a duke or duchess or marquis. <laughs> yeah. You're not I'll from there, you're of, of there. Riot. <laughs> duchess Shinsky. <laughs> The closest I'll ever get to some sort of regency, you know, yeah. cosplay situation. If you could have a title, not not necessarily <laughs> the responsibility, just the title. Is there a title out there you'd have? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. I, I maybe impress. There's it's a lot of good. you know, a lot of control there, <laughs> a lot of power. Um, Ames, Michelle, and I are watching Band of Brothers right now. It's his first mm. go around. One of our favorite oh, shows. Oh gosh, his poor little heart. Well, he's been reading history. He's prepared. But, you know, okay. there's a lot more limbs falling Gosh. off and getting shot off than he's used to in the Marvel. City, yeah. man. But um, Dwight David Eisenhower's title, Supreme Commander Allied Forces of Europe, is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, really anything that lets you just make some decisions, because yeah. I've got some policy ideas. That's right. You know? Supreme Commander, really, of anything. Um, <laughs> it's not Supreme Commander from... It's Supreme Commander of, by the way. I'll just say mm-hmm. that out loud. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's summertime. Rebecca, is you, you've got like T-minus four days until you're on a long trip. So you're, you're getting a little bit of, uh, what do we call this, like temporary senioritis? Um, yeah, it's vacationitis, right. maybe. Wrapping up. <laughs> got know, the wiggles. Check, you got the, got the wiggles. So I'll have, some, <laughs> I'll have Danica and Kelly come on while you're gone. We're going to do Frontless Foyer in a minute. We've got some fairly interesting news stories, more banning than I'd like to see, which is any, but still even more there. Um, but let's do our first sponsor break. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang. So this is an interesting love story. It's great for fans of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and High Fidelity. It's set in the mid-90s at NYU. And it follows young Wang, who has gotten the advice of love through Chinese numerology from his uncle. So he believes that he will have seven great loves in his life. And then he meets Irena in 95. And she's like the best. She's brilliant, charismatic, quick-witted, funny. They fall in love. 
But the thing is, she's number six. So if he is to have seven great loves, does that mean his time with Elena is going to come to an end? So this is a love letter to Western pop culture, Eastern traditions, and being a first generation New Yorker. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang for sponsoring this episode. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Not a lot of follow-up for you, Rebecca. Um, I want to appreciate, acknowledge, and note that those of you who emailed me slash us with BTS fandom information was both (laughs) impressive and enlightening um, and uh, something to behold. I... It's like, it's a known unknown for me now about Mm -hmm, what this kind of... um, I don't even, I don't know if fandoms are following fandom. I think it verges on both, but basically the re, there are reasons not to let it out early just in terms of activity in all the kinds of ways, um, which see. makes sense. It's in Edelweiss now, July 9th. There is some reason connected to something that it, I mean, as soon as I read it, it made sense and I completely forgot it because I don't care about oh, it. Oh, it's that the members of BTS are on high, like the band is on hiatus mm-hmm. because they're all serving compulsory yes. military service. Yeah. Yes. And so this is a good time for the book. I think someone shared that on the Patreon. Well, but July 9th is not even a Tuesday in the U.S. So like there's some, B- BTS oh, is so the, big, they have it someone's day. half it. birthday okay. on BTS. And that's, an, no, oh, I'm, not, wow. I'm only halfway kidding, but it comes out on the 9th, which is not a Tuesday. So they're literally yeah, breaking publishing um, okay. to do this. But it sounds like there's a whole infrastructure and um, let's say Edmund James or is it Edmund James? I can't remember. So the stru- there's a whole structure of feeling around BTS that I do not have access to, <laughs> but I understand it exists and it is potent and it has a logic that does not care about me and that's fine. But it's its whole mm-hmm. unit. It's like a snow globe universe within the world. Um, Amazing. And it's a big snow globe. So thank you all for writing. I really did appreciate um you guys getting that uh let's see i think that was pretty much it from the world of feed there was there was quite a few of those programming note um right after this show rebecca and i are recording next week's patreon episode it's time for deals 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 one of my faves i'm going to be throwing um completely legitimate and real <laughs> deal announcements and it sounds like i'm going to make up but I'm, I'm not making any of that these are all real at Rebecca and just listening to her respond. I guess that's the shtick on this particular one, Rebecca. Yeah. Some of them. It does occur to me that mm, like maybe we should do two deals and a lie, where in each set one of them is made up. Sometime. Don't <laughs> think I haven't thought about asking an LLM to concoct um, <laughs> publishers' <laughs> lunch announcements and see if we could tell if that's some if we could get a six figure book deal ourselves just based on that. Let's do it. <laughs> um, that would be a fun game in itself. So if you haven't um, subscribed to the Patreon, and that's interesting, if that's enough to put you over the credit card meridian <laughs> to put it into the system, that's coming out soon. Also, future program, we're, we're put, getting one in the can early, but then the next week, um, Rebecca and I are doing a 
watch and read 40th anniversary consideration slash reconsideration of Nora Ef- the great Nora Ephron's Heartburn, um, mm-hmm. which is really something, I shall say. It really is. Speak- I don't know if it's going to come up there. Maybe this is an extended tease. Maybe I'm just asking you this question because I want to ask you it now. You, you saw um, You Hurt My Feelings, right? Did you say you saw it? I that? did. I just saw it last week. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I was talking to someone that I was, we were doing this episode and like, man, we miss Nora Ephron. And I haven't seen it yet, but I've seen the trailer and I'm very much looking forward to watching it VOD with a margarita in August whenever it comes out at home. Mm-hmm. Is Hall of Center our closest Ephron right now working? I, I think so. Okay. I think she is. And this was, I don't know if I would have arrived at it so quickly but the timing worked out beautifully where i went to see uh you hurt my feelings on friday afternoon and then and there's a dinner table like very small dinner party scene in it that then when i I watched heartburn yesterday and there's also a significant dinner party scene there and i had weird deja vu for a Mm -hmm. second and had to be like why does this feel this way and i was like oh right because this feels so much like the scene from you hurt my feelings and those two things are the two movies feel very related i was actually thinking about like uh, the Heartburn movie, I, I think the story is due for an update. You could do another yeah. adaptation of it. Like, not, I, I won't spoil my whole take on the movie, but I think there's room for some changes uh, <laughs> and a more modern, <laughs> a more modern take. And Hall of Center would have been my pick to do yeah. an adaptation of the new one. And like Julia Louis Dreyfus 10 years ago to, to have starred in it. Um, I think what's interesting, great. My, my take, and I'm not, I'm not all the way through the book yet. Uh, it's been a while since I reread okay. it, but the thing that strikes me about it, and especially the Efron that people know, has, has she she shaved some of her edge off as she got more mainstream. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. you've got mail is a different spikiness than it's a Heartburn. Different beast, yeah. And Hall this Center still has you... the spikiness. That's maybe it reminds me of early Efron. Is maybe what it reminds I think me that's as much right. of anything. It sent me just down the glorious Efron rabbit hole. So I rewatched This Is Co- or Everything Is Copy last yeah. night. And one of the things that somebody says about Nora Efron early on is she was very smart and very mean. <laughs> and it's like that's on display in Heartburn mm. uh, in, in a way that it's not on display in some of her later writing and certainly like the later rom-coms. Well, it's when Harry Met Sally is the inflection point, right? It's that yeah. that is a little mean. Billy Crystal becomes the mouthpiece for her meanness. But by the time you get to sleepless, yeah. that's largely gone. Like and there's some like acidity, but it's not mean. mean. And it's a little mean, but it's not like as mean as hard. Not really. It's not that. It's anyway, it's mean to a. We're couple stepping people. on yeah, our pod. Anyway. But well, it's not about. Well, it's not about Hall of Center. But I. So yeah. Nicole Hall of Center's new movie is called "You Hurt My Feelings," and you could. I mean, you've seen it, but the tri- I cannot spoil it because I haven't seen it. So maybe that's why I'm doing this. <laughs> it's yeah. it's um, Julie Louis Dreyfus is a novelist or memoirist or both. What's the? She's had a memoir out, okay. and now her first. She's working on her first novel. Right, and they're you know doing New York things with um, mm-hmm. another couple, and she overhears her spouse say that she hates the book, and not only her book yes. but all of her writing. I uh, know it's just the book. It's so just she's the book. shopping with her sister. They uh, drop into the same store where each of their hu- their husbands are shopping together yeah. as well. Um, and yeah, they just overhear the guys talking, and she hears her husband say, "Like I hate it. I've hated all the drafts. I don't know how to tell her because he's been telling her that he loves it." Right. And it's like I, I, this is kind of the activating event mm. of the movie. Um, but it, it's a it's bigger. Like if you have writers in your life, you will love this. But like if you've ever been in a long relationship, there's something there for the like what is the line between 
being supportive of your partner's mm-hmm. thing, even if you don't <laughs> totally get it or if it's not your thing, and being dishonest about your take on your partner's thing. Like, would it be more hurtful to tell them I hate the draft of your novel or to tell them that you love it and then have them find out? Yeah, I mean, and I think that's one thing Efron was good at is finding the little cracks Mm -hmm. in how we get through the day and playing with them. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Of of really seeing like, you know, what's here. And, you know, she's had some earlier work Enough Said is underrated, I think. I really mm-hmm, like that movie. She did some work on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Parks and Rec. She was a director of a few episodes. But this one, I'm really, anyway, I'm really excited to, it's to great. see this um, coming down the yeah. pike. It was on my list of summer films to be excited about, and it lived up to what I was looking for. Harper's not very long, also for people that might want to. 178, real, baby. That's, we, we used to be a real country, Rebecca. <laughs> Stanley Tucci writes the introduction to the new uh, paperback edition of it. It's a little one-page introduction. And even he is like, she packs so much into 178 pages. We all love this. That's right. You'll love a book you can read in like two and a half hours. I was talking to my dad last night, and he was thinking about picking up Covenant of Water. And I'm like, Dad, it's 770 pages. Like, I know. I heard you talking on the podcast. So, I was <laughs> he's like, retired. He's, he's got time. He's like, it's different. It's like, he's got the lazy, hazy days. But he's he's right. There's something to If you can get into it, there's yeah. there's something to a longer novel. But boy, the... um. You're, you're, you're putting a lot of deposit down on that apartment. That's a, that's a, that a deposit on a three-year lease right there. Yeah, it has its own gravity. I hope mm. he's reading it digitally, because that hardcover is really a doorstop. I'm halfway thinking about trolling slash authentically giving my dad this new book called The World. Have you seen this thing? Have you seen no. this book? <laughs> it's called, I think it's called The World. I'll look up here in just a minute to make sure I get it right. But it's, a, it's like a thousand-page history of humanity towards through the story of family. Family. <laughs> Okay, and it's supposed to be really good. I have to take people's words for it, pages. but it's like it got me thinking about the the outer limits of the dad book, and where mm. you know sometimes the easiest way to define something is to defi- to find something that it isn't or something that's marginal. Yeah, this is like you know Sapiens, but <laughs> times six, and. Mm-hmm. Like, Sapiens doesn't really wrestle with history or culture. I mean, it sounds like a funny thing to say, but that's kind of, they're like trying, it's true. It was trying to get like sort of before the, the dawn of history as we know it. This is like, what if you accounted for everything? <laughs> and I think everything is maybe too much for a dad book. <laughs> I think that's how you end up with a thousand pages. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And probably you had to cut that's something. That's, that's the real irony is there that like, they had their stuff oh. on the floor. Uh, yeah. It's just called the world. What, what moxie? That is, it's very bold. Yeah, I'm, I know you're going to be shocked that it's written by a dude. Um. <laughs> I was, I was on the edge of that joke, and I was like, no, we'll just let no, that. Stand. It's not really but a I'm joke. So glad you said is that it. a joke? <laughs> well, I was going to do like, of course, it, tell me it's written by a man. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. The Book of Jacob <laughs> last year, I did have a moment me. when that came out, and it was kind of a thing for a minute. It was like 890 pages. I was like, I'm so glad that the. Ladies are getting to write insanely long, ponderous <laughs> literary novels. This is the equality, equality yeah, we've this is been fighting for. Congratulations, everyone. We did it. We're here. Uh, <sighs> Meanwhile, Nora Ephron rolls in her grave with her beautiful 178 page. Yeah. yeah. Just one cheese Y'all. blintz, not a whole <laughs> feast. Just one Negroni. That's it. Oh, uh, all right. We're going to do. <laughs> Mm. 
Let's do a little censorship banning corner, and then we're going to get into sure. Barnes & Noble's Best Books of the Year. We'll do our own Books of the Year into the fall, but Barnes & Noble, I think, is the first of the major bookish entities out of the gate, and it's an interesting list in some of the ways they break it down. Mm-hmm. But before we get there, um, speaking of we did it, guys, congratulations, wah, wah. A Utah school district removes the Bible from elementary and middle schools. Um, mm-hmm. Kelly made the point, this is not worth celebrating. This is not good. Nope. But as part of a intellectual moral dragnet um, in this library system, they plucked out the Bible. And yeah. she's been making this point that they don't care. Like, that's not the point. They're gonna, yeah. They know they can get the Bible into their constituents' hands other ways. They don't want these books to exist. They probably prefer most books don't exist. And I think once you realize that, maybe some of this becomes both more urgent and yeah. simple and maybe actionable in its own way. And you can start fighting yeah. the right battle rather than trying it's, to convince people that actually George um, by Alex Gino is okay. You have to realize that they would just be fine if there were no libraries. Right. Like, it's not... The principle that they base this complaint on is not wrong. No. There is violence and sex in the Bible. And no. so forcing the you know Moms for Liberty and those kinds of groups to apply their rules consistently, I understand the draw mm. of that and that it must it feel like winning a battle. If it is, you've won the battle and not the war. Yeah. Um, like I, I get that it there's an angle of like what's good for the goose is good for the gander here, but I I don't think this is the win that no. we want, and and also because the nature of these groups and like the you know conservative and religious fundamentalist nature of them means that this just looks like more evidence to them of yeah. like why they need to be doing this work they're doing in the first place. You see, they they don't even want our kids to have access to the Bible. This is how dangerous the woke mm. left is. It looks like more persecution that they can hold up. Like this is fuel and and these groups are good at spinning almost any kind of response into fuel yep. for themselves. Like the the fight is legislative. Um, and you know grassroots political and that's where we need to be meeting it too not you know winning on the letter of the law but forgetting about what the spirit is here yeah and speaking of things that feel like progress but you have to do it the southern poverty law center officially labeled moms for liberty as an extremist anti-government group um which it is and that was also then celebrated by some parts of this movement. Say, if the Southern Poverty Law Center is after us, we must be doing something right. And look how blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah. I can't even, I just have to stop thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do. And then combined with this, the third in this troika of stories that um, President Biden is naming a Department of Edu- Education coordinator to address book bans. I think the banners have been a little more successful than anyone, including them, maybe thought. And there's a little so. stry sand effect happening along the the watchtower mm-hmm. here. You'd hate to have to see it, but if we needed to get here, then the sooner the better is my take on this. Yeah. And I think the notable upshot of the Southern Poverty Law Center piece and how it relates to what the Department of Education is going to be doing is that like how we label these things does matter in the fullness of time and for the historical record that when we're looking back on this and you know there's a story to be told about what was going Mm -hmm. on in the early 2020s with book banning and this movement from the right it will matter 
that the group that led the charge was considered to be an anti-government extremist group. That matters in the telling. It matters that we say it. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that they put the label on it and that the administration is acknowledging this and can maybe start to put some real policy and legislative, you know, blockers in place or um, support for candidates and states that are working against these things in place. However, this is going to shake out like while we have the White House, we need to do the things that we can uh, to put supports in place that Mm. that protect these things. So interesting to see those two things come. I think Kelly was right. Um, Maybe it was on our work slack where she said like the SPLC's labeling of this won't make a difference, but it helps to see it. And I think that's right. Like um, it feels it's validating. It's like ungaslighting to have an organization that exists to analyze this kind of work say, yes, like those of you who think that this is really bad and harmful, we have concluded it is really bad and harmful. They're now, you know, alongside the Oath Keepers and the Three Percenters and the people who stormed the Capitol, those mm-hmm. other kinds of groups that are um, considered to be anti-government or or hate groups as well as the SPLC categorizes them. So that I'm, I'm glad to see that. Label the thing what it is. Right. Call it like you see it. All right. Books of the Year. 2023 the best books of 2023 quote uh, in parentheses so far i like how mm-hmm. hmm, this has become the convention for the mid-year best books mm-hmm. everyone we did this we've been doing it for a long time i don't think we invented yep. this on we not you yeah. and i but book writer itself of this mid-year so far I think book blogging did this. Probably. I don't think like, the New York Times was doing a mid-year review before the internet. That's a great point. Existed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is their best books of the year, not the books of the year, which is a separate category that Rebecca and I do <laughs> on first edition. Go right. check that out. Um, I'll get to frontless for you in a minute. I thought a couple of things. Can we talk about the categories? Yeah, yeah. Um, there are a lot of categories, Rebecca. <laughs> There are 17 categories with three titles each in them. <laughs> it's a lot. It's, it's, I mean, it's only 51 books, but like, it's a lot of categories. Aren't there more? Wait a minute. Are you on the page? Look, hit that little yeah. chevron that says explore categories. Yeah, I counted them earlier. How are there 17? I've got one, two, three, four, five, oh, no. six, seven, eight. No, sorry, 50. No, I did that 17 times. 51 categories. There you sorry, go. Girl, yes, that's yes, right. yes. I was like, <laughs> forgot the multiplication. Yeah, okay. That's why it's Book Riot, Jeff. 51 categories of three each. <laughs> right. Which I don't remember seeing this before. Do, rather than having no. 20 per, do a bunch of categories with three each. What do you think of this structure? I think this is a good book selling structure. Yeah. Because you've got broad stuff like the best literary novels, and then you've got mm-hmm. specific quirky stuff like the best books starring Octopi. And bless, there are three of them already this year. I mean, it should have been eight, but that's a different question. <laughs> the best books that put the fun in dysfunctional. Yeah. The best books featuring tortured souls. The best haunted houses. Back to broad, like the best books on climate. Best debut fantasy, the best shipwreck narratives featuring The Wager by mm-hmm. our fave David Grant. All kinds of stuff. And, you know, it's there's no editorial uh, nope. anything nope. around to buy. <laughs> any of this. Just Shorten that funnel, here is baby. the category. <laughs> yeah, here is the category. Here are the three books. It's fun to browse. Yes. I think there's a fun, like, 
I liked looking at this. Like, there's a surprise and delight factor happening here because you expect to see the best literary novels, but usually the best literary novels is right next to, mm. you know, the best sci-fi, and then it's next to mysteries, and then you get history, and then whatever else. But that these are just kind of, I, they seem to be like randomly presented here. But the best literary novels is first. That does not seem to be an accident. Nope. But like, does it matter that the thing that comes next is the best books to get on your feet? I think it's designed to keep you scrolling um, and you don't have to right? you don't have to read like any sort of editorial anything about why it's just here's what you're getting mm. here. Um, and there's, you know, some stuff that looks really familiar, big titles that you saw on books to anticipate at the top of the year kinds of lists. And then there's stuff that I think they're surfacing um, for discovery. It's a nice mix of like recognizable front list and other, you know, more mid list titles. Um, Tell me your thoughts. about I think it's it's interesting. I mean, it's kind of like how what's straining the outer limits of best books of 2023 to have a hundred and 12 or whatever it is. Um, Because what if you, what are the best books? These are the best books by category, but then we're getting to, what's his name? Pritchett from Dead Poet Society, where it's the, you know, the worthiness of the, the worthiness of the subject <laughs> multiplied by the execution, because right. we're, we're grading on some sort of curve, right? I guess, or, you know, it's the, the books featuring restaurants we want to reserve, or best books featuring restaurants and bars we'd like to see on open table is categorically <laughs> different than the best literary fiction novel. Right. I think if it's missing anything, something that is just like the top line, yes. 10 best books of the year so far yeah. is the thing I would like to see. Um, Amazon usually does something like this mm-hmm. at the end of the year. They'll they'll have like the 10 overall best and then they have their categories. And I like to see that because I think there are readers that are just looking for like, if I'm going to pick 10, what are the top 10? But in terms of an online browsing experience... Mm-hmm. This is, I think it's pretty interesting. Yeah, and if you don't make internet for a living, you may not realize that this is really nice on mobile because each of these mm-hmm. three book widgets, you can just scroll past. They're almost like the sh- size and shape of like an Instagram post. Yeah. Um, so that's very easy to browse on mobile and there's not a lot of text to read. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting. Do I feel like I know any more about the best books of the year? Not really um, no. myself, but this isn't for me and that's, that's fine. Right. There can be things that are not, I think that's every, right. every month or so it's okay if there's something that's not for me, <laughs> if it comes along that I'll allow. It. Some things people like are good actually. Yeah. Right. Even if I don't <laughs> yeah. like them or think they're good. So let's pick a few categories. Let's each okay. pick a couple of categories to, to, to talk about for a minute. Um, would you like to begin? Where would what, what do yeah. we need to cover for the purposes of this show? Do you think? Well, I like the best hot messes. Okay, I think this is fun. Yeah, um, and two, of, two the of three yeah. are novels that I read earlier this year. So it's Big Swiss by Jen Began, really good actually by Monica Heisey. Those are the two that I've read, and The Rachel Incident by Caroline O'Donohue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I Big Swiss and really good actually are definitely about characters that are hot messes. Um, I don't know anything about the Rachel incident. You didn't think Big Swiss worked, though. It shouldn't be on this. We got a better hot mess than this, don't we? It wasn't like the big novel mm. that I wanted it to be, but okay. the, if you're looking for a hot mess, <laughs> I mean, it, the character yeah, is right. a hot mess. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, just not in a way that I thought was like new or exciting. Mm. Um, I would like to see a, a novel about a dude who's a hot mess. See? The gendering of hot messes is fascinating to me. What's the dude equivalent it's of a like, hot mess? 
Yeah, this is like the Liz Lemon yeah. phenomenon. We don't have a we um, don't have a dude version of that character, do we? Yeah, I don't think so. Not that we have an, a readily available like nickname for. No. Um, but listeners, I'd love to hear. Yeah. Your ideas for it. That was well. I guess go to go back to the meadow. One thing that I noticed, I didn't go through and like yep. calculate the diversity of the overall lists here, but a lot of these categories have three titles that are all written by white people, yeah. um, and some intra category. Like a lot, like a yes, lot, <laughs> a lot. Some intra category attention to that mm. I think matters because if you've got. The best literary novels so far, Eleanor Catton's Burnham Wood, The Last Animal by Ramona Ossibel. I read and really liked both of those. And then This Other Eden by Paul Harding. Great. But like those are three writers that are doing, uh, they have a relatively similar project mm. in the world. And they're coming from relatively similar perspectives. And it's not the highest form of reader service, I think, to even just within what literary fiction does allow the three that you're featuring to be that narrow. And then I also need to acknowledge you can't ring all the bells with three titles, no. but you can do a little bit better, I think. Yeah, and I didn't I didn't count because I A, don't want to, and B, it's not my job, and you can just see with your eyes. Yeah. Um, that's one thing I noticed. Not a lot of kids and young adult. Is that a separate list? Mm. Where, oh, there, I mean, there, there's I... some best books to make you belly laugh, and they're all picture books. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait a minute, is really Harold the Iceberg Melts Down going to make me belly laugh? I don't know. There was, there's some category fraud or something. Beck's supposed to pray tomorrow. They're all kids' books. Like, hmm. I guess that's a category that could work for me. I, and I didn't see a different way to sort by like adult or something else like that. Also, no, I didn't the order of this is weird. It's not. So best literary novels gets top billing. And hmm. then the next is best books to get you on your feet. <laughs> Uh-huh. And then, but on the <laughs> yeah, it the second to last is best audio books, where we don't hit pause. Like, what is the order? Why, why this order? It it seems random. Yeah, to me, because if you did, if apply, I reload it, does it change? That would be cool if it did that. Actually, oh, I don't think so. No, it doesn't. And we're not getting different orders because you've no. been as you listed. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's not one of those like it reshuffles to every individual user, um, which that would also be. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, but you would think that if it's fully positioned to try to move the units that they would have top loaded with the categories or the titles that are selling best so far and mm. audiobooks are, you know, on the move. Yeah. <laughs> so That's, I was going to say it's 30% um, of the market. <laughs> right. Um, okay. So there, there's one. But I'll go with. Um, so let's say there's a category called best shipwreck narratives, which there is. <laughs> Okay. And David Grand's The Wager is the destroyer of these. I mean, this is the big, the capital ship. Are you happy if you're the ship beneath the ice that your book about Shackleton came out in the same year as The Wager? Does The Wager oh. expand or contract the shipwreck market? <laughs> That's a great question. I have no idea. Yeah. I think if you're the author of that book... You're glad to be sitting alongside David Grant. You're not getting on this list without David Grant. Cre- I mean, the reason this, this category exists this year is because of the wager. Yes, yes. I think that's an interesting thing to say about these categories is that yeah. some of them feel like there was one book that somebody mm-hmm. wanted to feature and they built the category around that. Yeah. Um, and definitely the wager is one of them. I'm noticing now that I'm scrolling through it again that a couple titles appear in multiple, multiple lists. Multiple places, Yeah. 
Yeah. The Rachel incident also shows up in Best Irish Fiction. Yeah. Um, The Story of Art Without Men is under the most beautiful books and under the best feminist inquiries. Mm -hmm. Um, That seems like a waste to me to repeat titles. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. it's certainly something you don't... I, I don't remember seeing that in other lists like this, or you know, where we have sub, but mostly because those categories are constructed where you can't be on multiple lists, because these are so specific yeah. that they could they could be on multiple lists, I guess. Um, I thought that it was interesting that there is no straight-up genre pick, mm-hmm. like best mystery thriller, best romance. It's yeah. all... Debut fantasy, <laughs> the best con artist that would be under mystery and thriller, I yeah. guess technically the, the best, best fantasy follow up, the best unconventional detectives. That's so they're we're skipping past genre to subgenres, and not even to subgenres, mm-hmm. to sort of specific tropes or characters or something else. And then then Ireland gets the one other country. There's yeah. one country that gets a whole category. It's the best <laughs> Irish. <laughs> Shout out to Ireland. Good job, guys. <laughs> And ladies, ladies, it is, folks, yeah, good job, Celtics. That is, I always, you know, I think the thing I say every time we get a list like this from some other media entity is like, I want to know how you got there. Yeah. <laughs> like, why these categories and why these books? And like, right, why Ireland, but not Japan yeah. or South Africa or wherever <laughs> Just, or other. Yeah, which of the book, which of the book made the, the <laughs> what, what was the, the grain of sand around the pearl of which this right. best Irish fiction um formed right how did that crystallize uh, yeah it's interesting it's almost so specific that it it verges on feeling like a gag but i don't think it quite feels like a gag it almost feels like a gag i think they came just mm-hmm. short of it feeling like a gag like i think for a lot of readers this is pretty interesting um yeah. scrolling through anything you were surprised not to see oh now i have to ponder that yeah i know yeah nothing that, well, that I'm, I'm pausing for a second because that's not the lens that I sure. went into this with. I'm surprised there's not a short stories one. Yep. Um, I didn't see that. I don't think I saw anything about like creativity. Um, there's how to live your best li- how book best books yeah. to inspire your life. Is that yeah, creativity? it's not like where are you going to put Rick Rubin on this list? Because Rick Rubin should be here somewhere. He's there. You can best books to oh, inspire your is? life. Yep. Oh, I just missed that. Yep. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Wild paucity I of think, business books. Just oh, yeah, Knowing how yeah. big of a piece of the market the, that um, historically is. I don't know if there's particular other particular titles I'm hmm. surprised not to see. I think I'm most amused by the best books for misanthropes, <laughs> which is all books about how to like people more, <laughs> which like suggests that a misanthrope wants to change. Uh, it's not my understanding of how that works, but I see what you're doing, Barnes and Noble. If I said the word "spread" to you, what do you? Th- what does that mean to you? It uh, it makes me shudder, but I don't know what it means. It doesn't sound great, does it? <laughs> no, I'm afraid to Google Go- no, it. No, don't, is don't my Google it. You feeling? can. You can. Okay. It's a, it's the best spreads is on this. Oh, so I don't know down. what that is. It's the third. Um, <laughs> This is shameless Barnes and Noble self dealing. So I oh. think spread is like the deckled edge with oh. that's also oh, decorated. Yes. Spreads. And they're Who all knows that and term? they're all they're all Barnes and Noble exclusive editions. So yeah. congratulations to 
Barnes and Noble for making. If you are listening to this podcast and you knew what a spread was, yeah. please raise your hand. It's, it's not. It's not what you want. I don't. There's something that about needs, that. That's. We gotta rebrand that. That's not great. I don't. I don't care no. for that. Um, so we've done April, May, June. Actually, I need to get you on the hook before you go out of town. Oh, yeah, we do need to. Anyway, that's everything for the It books. They've all appeared. They've all been here. We've got Yellow Face, Mm -hmm. Wager. um, Oh, no. No, I'm sorry. Nicole Chung. Nicole Chung. There we go. I I knew I had a point of talking about that because that was the one I was surprised not to see. Um, There's not a category of like hmm, useful bummers. (laughs) I don't know what category that would go in here. Important bummers. Yeah. Ah, is that too harsh? <laughs> Felt no, harsh, but suddenly I don't know what else to say. I uh, think in the name of readers, beautiful service, bummers. Important. Beautiful bummers yeah. should be the category People on read this. Beautiful bummers. Yeah. So anyway, spare okay. makes an appearance. We haven't talked about this, and I think it has come from the algorithmic video world. The Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yarrow. Do you know anything about this mm-hmm. book? All I know is I saw it when I was doing title research yeah. for something, and that it's the first in a new, I think, like big fantasy yep. series. There was a huge first print run of it. It's a big deal that is so far out of my personal reading wheelhouse that this is that's all I've got. It's it was like, romantic-y. oh, that's going to be a big it's deal. Romantic, uh, which is not where we tend to live, you and I. That's so, right. Which is which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, Romantic is a portmanteau I can get behind. I think I think we're fine. I mean, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Would you like to hear? Um, yeah, the brutal and elite world of war college of a war college for dragon riders, and they get up some some business. Okay, you know, yeah, they get busy. Not my jam, but get on down with it. Yeah, dragons. That appears twice under best debut fantasies and best runaway bestsellers, adjoining Happy okay. Place, which. Continues to sell very well. Um, 44,000 copies last week I was just looking at, and it's like fifth week of being out. Spare, of course, sold mm-hmm. like gangbusters in the fourth wing. I think it was number three best-selling book in the country in hardcover wow. last week. So the power of Emily Henry and then this book becoming a thing. I wonder, what's fourth wing out from? I wonder if I could talk to someone from whoever published this. Oh, this is Entangled. Um I'd like to know, did they know this was going to be a thing? Did they social engineer this? Like, it came out pretty hot. Like, this didn't take while to build, which is unusual with a social hit like this. The size of the print run would indicate to me that they were going to spend on it in a way that basically guaranteed it was going to be a thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, Yaros, I guess, has a, I don't know this, but um, she has a following already, but not Mm -hmm. the kind that we have heard of already. Not the kind that you would anticipate, you know, as a... Uh, as a you know interested observer of the publishing world uh any other thing just glad to see ross gay on the best poetic celebrations of joy i mean subscription box me that category (laughs) right can i get ross gay in my mailbox Mm. once a month oh that reminds me i did have two people write in to say they really like the idea of subscribing to the Best American Blank series. Like, oh, shoot me the Best great. American Short Stories yes. every year. I'm not sure what you're going to do with that information, um, but I thought you would like to know that, and other people would like to know this, too. <laughs> I'm glad for that. Maybe yeah. we can pitch it to Macmillan. <laughs> My favorite novel of the year, Still So Far, Lone Women, by Victor Laval is here under mm-hmm. Best Books with Horrific Journeys, and I can tell you that that is an accurate um, description okay. of part of what that book is about. 
So, yeah, my one note, I would like a best of the best list. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it. Yeah. That's my note. But I like to see experimentation with categories. Listen, this we is got 20 like, minutes out of it. That's all I'm looking for, Rebecca, yeah, is 20 minutes so I can a get little, a podcast segment out of. <laughs> a little, everything is copy, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe a little too far into the let's do zany categories. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I would just like to see that sort of overview of the best 10 or 20 overall. Um, but this is, I mean, this is fun. It's, it's fun. really fun. It's, fun. it's totally scrollable. I believe it's going to sell books for them. Good job, Barnes & Noble. And it does speak to the larger strategy that Barnes & Noble trying to inject some personality into the brand, mm-hmm. you know, um, rather than be a carpeted, mostly pleasant warehouse for books, it's trying to be yeah. a little bit more approachable, human scale, friendly, neighbor, your friendly neighborhood chain bookstore. Um, mm-hmm. This one I do that. All right, last Let sponsor break, and let's do frontless foyer. All right, Rebecca, what have you been reading? All right, I read over the weekend all the sinners bleed. Yeah. The new essay Cosby, and it's it, it's a big one. Uh-huh. You texted <laughs> me. Okay, you, you kind of waved yeah. me off, or I, don't know. I did. I'm here to fully wave you off. Um, It's about a detective, or he's the sheriff in a small town in Virginia, um, a black man who is the first black sheriff in his small town. All of the, you know, small southern town vibes are present that you think might be present for what his experience is like. Um, He is solving, he's working to catch a serial killer uh, in town, but the activating event of the book is a school shooting so i feel like there are like multiple content warnings to give for Mm. this like there's there's a it opens with a school shooting so that's a lot uh then he's working to catch a serial killer and that's in the book synopsis but the piece that isn't in the synopsis is that the serial killer is a serial killer of kids and in a very like true detective season one weird religious ritual torture kind of way um so that's on the page and it's not gratuitous i was like i got through it but i don't have kids <laughs> or the things uh about uh, kids getting hurt i have some stuff about kids getting hurt in books i mean but it, like that trigger is shouldn't not a we sensitive. all i mean to be yeah, honest we like, should. a little bit of we like huh, maybe not so much with the kid yeah. torture for me okay yeah it's not gratuitous like it's not for anybody's delight or fun right. but he's got to describe it because we have to know like what this person is doing and how they're going to catch them and what's going on. And that was just not something I loved being surprised by. Mm. Um, which is why I sent you the text of like <laughs> BT dubs. Yeah. So I'm here to say, if you like essay Cosby and the, like the mysteries that really move and that carry the social critique, it does all of those things, you know, like, a but it sounds like, like verges into horror, right? It sounds like it's like, kind of, yeah, like a, a black sheriff in a small southern town who's dealing with a school shooting and yeah. one of the shooters is also black is also is then going to be dealing with police brutality mm-hmm. stories and his own position inside that system. And I think Cosby, from my limited perspective as a white person, I thought that he got into the complexities of that pretty well. Um, but the... The stuff about that it's that kids are the victims and the nature of the crimes was not something that I liked being surprised by. Um, so just take that for yeah. what you will. Maybe it makes it easier to go into it if it's a book that you want to read. Um, 
he's being very bold. Like it's much less of a um, he is bold. crowd pleaser. I mean, on all the books, he's bold. I think this sounds like yeah. the, the, I don't know if the biggest swing, but pushing the envelope, pushing the edge. Yeah, it's a big swing. And there's a lot of um, religious like angst and critique oh. of religious institutions built into it as well. Cosby gave an interesting interview to PW that was largely about that. So I think he's, you know, he's had some big successes and now he has the space to push some buttons and, you know, push at some boundaries. And he's doing that in a lot of ways. Some of them are ways that I was more on board for than others. Um, I'm not sorry that I read it. I don't know that I'm glad that I read it. It fully lives in how do you recommend this book to anybody? Like I I texted a good friend who's a bookseller and was like, BT dubs, if you're going to hand sell this, here's what you should know. Or if you see people picking it up. um, I both understand why a publisher wouldn't include a detail like that in a synopsis and also feel like it doesn't serve readers to surprise us with a thing like that. Um, so that was that my big one. Mm. Um, I am halfway through Wannabe by Aisha Harris from Pop Culture Happy Hour. And it's really enjoyable. It's not what I expected. I thought it was going to be like essays where each essay was about a particular pop culture, a piece of pop oh, culture. Oh, yeah, that's what I thought it was like going to be, too. Not yeah, that, huh? like what Klosterman did with the 90s. Right. And this is uh, different in a way I really like. Um, it's more of her coming to understand and process her identity and her cultural consciousness and her place as a critic through the lens of like different trends in culture and media. And she's a black woman. So there's a chapter about um, like the black friend, the trope of the black friend in a bunch of different pieces of media and how she related to and reacted to those at different points in her life. Uh, There's a chapter about what it is to be a black critic and the tension between wanting to support work by black artists, but also feeling responsible to not just support all work by all black artists because they're black artists when your job is to be a critic and assess things from a critical perspective and say when it's worth when it's deserving of praise or when it's not um a a bunch of stuff like that so it's much more um it's a much more individualized kind of thing about who Aisha Harris is as uh, and understanding herself through the lens of those pieces of pop culture rather than like let's contextualize the Spice Girls that kind of thing Mm -hmm. so um that was it's it's different from what I thought it was going to be but I've really been enjoying like getting to ride along while she thinks out loud about those things um and I'm listening to Page Boy by Elliot Page but I'm only like two hours I'm at the same spot let's hold that (laughs) okay me what too. are you up to? I read Quietly Hostable. Hostable. Uh, Hostable by oh, Samantha, Samantha Irby. Irby. Yeah, and I got the full Samantha Irby experience. You know, a little more mm-hmm. peeing, getting peed on while having sex than I would, you know, choose to read about myself. But I also know that's the kind yeah. of thing that you're going to get in the Samantha Irby book. I listened to it. Mm-hmm. Wonderful narrator. You know. Uh, she's yeah, so funny. She's really, really funny. Uh, I read The Art Thief by Michael Finkel, which was in one of my mm. picks as a maybe dark horse for... Yeah. Um, uh, book book of the book of the month. It, How book was of that? The month. It was good. It was more slight than I would like because there's not a lot to this. It's an interesting portrait of a person. This couple um, that started stealing kind of minor works of art from tertiary locations in Europe. So they're not trying to boost something from the Louvre. They're taking it from the castle, the third most famous castle that you can take a tour of that maybe doesn't have all the security in place and a bunch of guards. 
So if you're willing to take a chance while the guard is in the other room with a pair of uh, pliers and a screwdriver, you can boost, you know, a little ivory something, or you can take this or that, but, and then start stealing oil paintings and some other stuff. And like it happens most of the time, um, you do too much and eventually you, your luck runs out, something weird happens and you get caught. Mm -hmm. And... I think there wasn't enough process to make it like a procedurally interesting because it was pretty banal the th- the thieving, right? It wasn't <laughs> it was just taking stuff. I don't know, it's kind of weird to say. <laughs> it was just thieving is just taking yeah, just, stuff. Yeah, I mean, but like, you know, they're not repelling through the the broken Got wind okay. skylight the and getting the baseball diamond, you know, like okay. the muppets. Yeah. Um that's where I go to for my heist, is the, the great muppet caper. <laughs> that says something about us. Look, it's a great it's a diamond the size of a baseball. That's what everyone should be stealing. You can fit in your pocket. The Muppets know what's up, show title. Um, or or it's about a different world like The Feather Thief, which is this world of mm-hmm. exotic bird collecting. Yeah, fascinating. This is a guy who is clearly unhappy, who has a kleptomania, gets caught, and it doesn't go well, and that's kind of it. So I liked it, but it's not going to be... It's not as compelling, like from an oh my god point of view, as like a you know the bloodless true crime, which I like. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not going to be as patronary as like a bad blood. It doesn't have the world building or subcultureiness of uh, the dinosaur artist or the feather thief because he steals all the stuff and keeps it in his attic because no one can see it, and Mm -hmm. he's a loner whose girlfriend leaves him when he gets arrested and who mom his mom is pretty weird and. I don't know. If you like yeah. this world, if you're interested, I think you're going to like it, but it felt like it was missing a flavor or two uh, in it there. It kind of sounds like what we imagined a book or movie version of the manuscript thief story yeah, being. Right. Like, there's just not much here. Yeah. Person who has issue steals things. Kleptomaniac steals things. Right. <laughs> yeah, interesting. And then, let's see, what are the two things... Um, I also read The Good Enough Job by Simone Stozoff, S-T-O-Z-O-F-F. Yeah, I heard her on a podcast recently. How's the whole thing? Uh, It's fine. I'd say it's more about a general trend. I've seen books that are kind of like this about, and I guess it's not unrelated to the Berkmanian Berkmanian insight (laughs) of do what you can and you can't have it all and don't try to, and not, not just for women. Like that's a, that's a, that's mm-hmm. a trope about women's lives, but like don't ask anything to be everything, which sounds obvious maybe <laughs> to say. <laughs> um, but once you say that, like, I guess there's the, the best books that could have been a Ted talk. There's mm-hmm. one of those and it was good. And if you need to hear this, if you're like a Supreme workaholic or you have real anxiety about your career or, you know, upwardly mobile ambition kind of stuff. Maybe it would be a helpful antidote to that. I do not have this particular bug, um, and it's not something we encounter too much mm-hmm. in our jobs, frankly, because we've kind of built the company so yeah, that actively discourage people it. <laughs> aren't putting all their eggs in their work basket. Um, but there seems to be a bit of a trend of these, yeah. kind of like there's a trend about Where? rest, there's a trend about time, there's a trend about like chill just chill a little bit mm-hmm. um which i yeah, think is good yeah. advice but i don't know it, it, it where does it sit like on mm. the spectrum of 
practical things to do book versus philosophy, like with Berkman on the philosophy end, and I don't know Gretchen Rubin. I'm not even sure that's. It's a good question. It's pretty close to the middle, I'd guess. Um, Hmm. Again, I, I will admit this: that once I got into it, I kind of felt like I knew what the deal was and maybe I wasn't paying as close of attention to that sure. that kind of a question. I was like, oh, okay, I get it. It's not a sermon you're there yeah, to hear. It was, it was, I think it could be useful to people, but it's not going to change my life. And I, frankly, it's been a while since I read a self-help, professional development, business, finance, whatever, you know, whatever we call that category now, that really made me sit up and pay attention. Um, probably how big projects get done was the last one. And Okay, so that's mm-hmm. been this year, but... Between the saving times and the enchantments and the, you know, the COVID stuff, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where that is. Yeah, I think you're right that there is there's some big thing in the cultural water about like, don't hitch your whole identity wagon to your job. Right. Go outside sometimes. Talk to people. Touch grass. Find joy. Yeah. And there are a billion expressions and interpretations of that. It's and kind each of like, one probably has like something, yeah. You know what it is? And something you just said kind of elusive, triggered something for me. There, There is a whole, um, the preponderance of the discourse is against hustle cult- culture, right? Like this, yes, to use this. Yeah. Who is standing up for wholesale? Has hustle culture become a straw man right now? Is that like oh. something that everyone's against and no one is actually advocating for? I don't. I don't know if it's a straw man so much as like, it was a brick man, whatever's the opposite of a straw man. It was a brick man like a decade ago. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't like, feel like it's all current. Like, okay, yeah. I mean I think I've told by been told like seventeen thousand people the hustle culture is a scam and it's bad for you, to the point that who needs to hear this message still? Um or and if it, if they do, great. But, you know, I don't need to watch friends. I've already seen friends. You know, I don't need to watch the mm-hmm. I, I've seen that story. And I'm just not sure that it feels as urgent because the preponderance of the discourse is against hustle culture. And this is, feels like it's kind of in the same vein. Maybe maybe my zag is, maybe my business book is um, give it all. That's what my zag is going to be. <laughs> Actually, your job should be everything. Dummies. <laughs> Lean in. Yeah. Jump in. Jump in. Jump in. <laughs> Dive in. Oh, the title that would launch a thousand hot takes. You know what? Moves units. A book I don't about care. why your job should be everything. That's right. To you <laughs> sell you a bunch weak of them. dummies. <laughs> you know what you do is you publish that and you only market it to giant corporations yes. as a like, do you want a thousand copies of this to give your yeah. new hire? You know what? You know what's tired? <laughs> Work from the office. You know what's wired? Live in the office. <laughs> Facebook's good. Oh, it's like a guy Musk knows with a what laptop he's doing. on a bunk bed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Uh. <laughs> so. Oh, satirical things yeah, here. Yeah, anyway. Uh, that's all I got. That's what I've been reading recently. <laughs> Interesting stuff. I'll look forward to talking to you about Page Boy in yeah, a couple of weeks, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, how do we do it? So I guess the Nicole Chung is the one we missed, maybe. It should have been the wager yeah. for first edition. Should have been the wager. Um, go check that out. The June It Books um, went up a couple weeks ago. Got a lot of good feedback about that. Uh, next week on first edition, Kendra Winchester, one of the Book Riot contributors and writers, is talking to me about the state of audiobooks 
um, I have a theory about audiobooks that basically is the 15th anniversary of the beginning of the audiobook boom, in mm-hmm. my estimation. And I'll talk about that. We go through the state of audiobooks. And then Sharif and I are, uh, Sharifa Williams, who's the director of content, she hosts our SFF Yeah podcast, debuting a new segment I'm calling The Instabuys, where oh. we talk about um, authors that are Instabuys for us, and we're going gotcha. to be in her home turf of science fiction and fantasy. So we're just going to list some of the authors that are Instabuys for us. So trying that one out, go check out First Editions. You can find the link to that. And all the stories we talked about, including the Book Riot Patreon, um, you can hear me fling some ridiculous deals at Rebecca coming up soon and I think oh, shoot an email podcast at bookriot.com for any and all feedback ideas got a nice one today about Barnes and Noble ephemera which I'm, I need to process oh. a little bit um, okay. some people are having experiences in these new Barnes and Nobles coming to a Barnes and Noble near you these newer formats it's rolling out and I like that people are coming in with our voices in their ears of, of, of seeing and how to process <laughs> that's them. great um so yeah, I even if it's not about the show or or it's not even not about something we've talked about specifically, if there's something out there in the bookish world you're interested in or you see or hear you have a question about, you know, we don't really do Q and A's that often, but you know, we do feedback. So please feel free mm-hmm. out there to shoot us something and I'll at least consider considering it. That's the promise I'll make to you. I'll consider consider <laughs> your, your email. Is anything more Midwestern than I'll consider considering it? <laughs> uh... Yeah, and the only more midwestern thing is like she's a character. She's a who. <laughs> well, I can't remember what order they'll be here in, but Danica and Kelly yeah, will be sitting in for me in some order over the next couple of weeks while I trot myself across Spain. Mm. Uh, so I will look forward to catching up with y'all and hope everybody has a good like kickoff to their summer yeah, over the next couple of weeks. Right. All right, talk to you, Rebecca.